This morning and every Sunday morning, we join Unitarian Universalist congregations around the world in lighting a chalice, our symbol of our faith tradition. We want to take a moment now and invite you to light a chalice wherever you may be this morning. And our chalice lighting words come from Mahatma Gandhi. Peace between nations must rest on the solid foundation of love between individuals. Our story today comes from the Building Bridges curriculum by Mary Kay Isaacs. Once upon a time, there were two sisters who lived on farms side by side. One grew the most delicious grapes for miles around, while the other grew wonderful vegetables. There was a small creek that ran between their properties. They were the best of friends, as well as being sisters. People in town would say that where you saw one sister, you were bound to see the other nearby. They shared a life together. Meals, tools, stories. And their children played together in the little creek between the farms. Life was peaceful. Until one day, there was a disagreement. It wasn't about much, but they couldn't resolve it. And that disagreement turned into conflict. And then they stopped sharing life together, meals, tools, and stories. And soon, they just weren't even talking to each other anymore. Well, one day, one of the sisters answered a knock at the door. There was a carpenter. Well, ma'am, I'm looking for work. Is there anything around here that needs to be built? The carpenter asked. Why, yes, indeed, said the sister. Why, over there lives my sister. She used to be my best friend, but then one day she just became completely unreasonable, and so I can't deal with her anymore. We don't talk, and I would like to not have to see her anymore either. So please build a big, tall fence so that I don't have to see her. Ah, said the carpenter. I think I know what you need. I know what to do. So the sister decided to go do her weekly shopping to be out of the way of the carpenter. When she returned home, however, she was very surprised to see that the carpenter had not built the fence that she had asked for. Instead, they had built a bridge over the creek between the sister's properties. It was a lovely bridge, wide and sturdy, with arched sides, but it was not what she had asked for. She went up to tell the carpenter this, but before she could protest, she saw her sister exit her house, see the bridge, and come running up. The sister came to the bridge and said, Oh, how I have missed you! Why, I don't know how it got like this. I am so sorry. And before they knew it, both sisters were running across the bridge where they met in the middle, embracing, laughing, crying a little. They turned to the carpenter to thank them. We have other work that needs to be done on the farm, they said. Please stay. But the carpenter simply said, no, I think I'll be moving on. I have other fences to build. 
Our reading today comes from the published journals of Mahatma Gandhi from the years 1937, 1940, and 1942. We have to make truth and nonviolence not matters for mere individual practice, but for the practice by groups and communities and nations. That, at any rate, is my dream. I shall live and die in trying to realize it. My faith helps me to discover new truths every day. Ahimsa, and let me just insert here, uh, that ahimsa is a key Hindu virtue. It's the respect for all living things and avoidance of violence toward others. So back to Gandhi's writings. Ahimsa is the attribute of the soul and therefore to be practiced by everybody in all the affairs of life. If it cannot be practiced in all departments, it has no practical value. My faith in truth and nonviolence is ever growing. And as I am ever trying to follow them in my life, I too am growing every moment. I see new implications about them. I see them in a newer light every day and read in them a newer meaning. I have not conceived my mission to be that of a knight errant wandering everywhere to deliver people from difficult situations. My humble occupation has been to show people how they can solve their own difficulties. Many of us are skilled at voicing what is wrong with the world today. We speak with great alarm about all that we don't want the world to be. We share our anxious concerns about it with anyone who will listen. Concerns like, we don't want corruption diminishing our public health. We don't want oppression preventing liberation. We don't want our human ingenuity to continue to be spent destroying this earthly paradise. However, as many among us skillfully speak of everything we don't want the world to be, many of us do continue to uphold what we do want, what we do envision. But those voices among us go unheard too often. Voices that say we want liberation from poverty, hunger, and war. We want a healthy world community grounded in respect for all 
of our human diversities. We want our human ingenuity to be spent on health and well-being for all living things, that we all may flourish interdependently as the spirit of life intended us to. These collective visions held by so many of us in this world can be found in the very principles of our faith. Seven core principles which we, the congregations, have authored through time. And while we, the congregations, collectively value those principles, we also value that each of us are individuals with unique personal experiences of practicing those principles. So as you might expect, with any covenant in any faith tradition, we frequently find ourselves in dilemmas between our covenanted principles and our lived experience. In particular, our experience of the suffering we humans cause when we sort ourselves into communities of race, orientation, gender identity, cultural affinity, economic class, or once again, infected and non-infected. Oftentimes, learning about the collective suffering in our communities or witnessing it firsthand may make us desire to retreat into our own personal principles, our own moral codes, we do this in order to limit our pain in witnessing the suffering in our communities. But friends, we need to understand that while our personal principles may feel like a source of certainty during challenging time, it's the collective principles we, the congregations, aspire to that are most certain to transform closed-minded righteousness into open-minded interdependence of our souls with principles through practice to peace. It can feel risky to share with others the collective principles and the personal principles we each live by, especially others who may not share them Social norms often encourage us to shy away from voicing our principles, reinforcing that it's the polite thing to do when we're a guest at a friend's dinner table or attending a community meeting. Many people wish to only reveal their principles to those whom they know share them. But our spiritual challenge here, friends, as we work to make what we do want in the world manifest, is to open our souls to sharing our principles with those who will challenge them. Giving voice to our principles and witnessing another person's reaction to them exercises our faith 
our faith that each of us holds agency of right and wrong, moral and immoral. But when we hold those beliefs to ourselves and our loved ones only, self-righteousness can grow. And righteousness is a form of practice too, immoral in fostering judgments of others' principles that we see as differing from ours. A faithful practice of your principles interdependently with those you meet leads you into living one of our collective UU principles. The goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. As I reflect on that principle from our U standpoint, I find an interdependency between our belief in the beloved community and our faith in the goal of world community. This insight recently led me to the King Center in Atlanta, Georgia. You can find them at thekingcenter.org. The King Center was founded in 1968 by Coretta Scott King. And there, I learned about the vision and practice of Josiah Royce, an early 20th century philosopher. In 1913, Royce observed that besides the actual communities we experience on a daily basis, there is also an ideal beloved community made up of all those who are dedicated to the cause of loyalty, truth, and reality itself. Josiah Royce went on to found the Fellowship of Reconciliation, and it was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., also a member of the Fellowship of Reconciliation, who brought Royce's observation of the beloved community to the forefront of the world's peace and justice movements. For Dr. King, the beloved community was not some lofty utopian goal, nor a rapturous image of a heavenly kingdom in which lions and lambs coexist in harmony. Rather, he taught us and demonstrated to us that the beloved community was a realistic, achievable goal attained by a critical mass of people committed to and trained in philosophies of peace and methods of nonviolence. Dr. King's beloved community is a global vision that remains just as relevant today as it was during his lifetime. It is the vision that all people will one day be able to share in the abundance of the earth. All forms of marginalization, discrimination, and prejudice will yield to an inclusive spirit of siblinghood. In the beloved community, love and trust will rise while fear and hatred will diminish. Peace 
through justice will prevail over all. Dr. King's practice of peaceful nonviolence recognized that conflict between peoples, communities, and nations is an unavoidable part of our human experience. He taught us how even the worst conflicts can be resolved peacefully, that adversaries can reconcile by practicing a mutual determined commitment to nonviolence, friendship, and a greater good. In 1956, Dr. King spoke at a victory rally for a Supreme Court decision desegregating Montgomery, Alabama's buses. And at that rally, he shared his vision for the first time. He preached, quote, the end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opponents into friends. It is this type of understanding goodwill that will transform the deep gloom of the old age into the exuberant gladness of the new age. It is this love which will bring about miracles in the hearts of men. End quote. The central value of Dr. King's quest for beloved community is agape, the compassionate love toward all whom we encounter, taught by many spiritual prophets throughout human history. Dr. King described agape as, quote, an understanding, redeeming goodwill for all an overflowing love which is purely spontaneous, unmotivated, groundless, and creative. The love of God operating in the human heart. He said, agape does not begin by discriminating between worthy and unworthy people. It makes no distinction between a friend and enemy. It is directed toward both. Agape is love seeking to preserve and create community. End quote. Agape is love seeking to preserve and create community. Its principles such as these, which influenced our modern Unitarian Universalist principles. Ever since Dr. King preached it, we have sought his goal of the beloved community because we hold faith that the beloved community will come to be as we move forward to make peace manifest on earth. As Dr. King practiced his vision of social justice, he turned to the writings of Mahatma Gandhi and Gandhi's prophecy of peaceful nonviolence. I shared with you uh, just a few minutes ago in our opening reading 
a few of Gandhi's observations, some of the very same writings that Dr. King studied and integrated into his own principles as a black minister in America working against injustice. Dr. King's six principles of nonviolence first appeared in 1958 in his book, Stride Toward Freedom. And as we reflect on them now, 60 years later, I've come to realize how his leveraging of the term nonviolence in the 1950s and 60s is similar to the way we leverage the term peace today. So as I interpret each of his principles in the light of contemporary nonviolent peace, I find Dr. King's wisdom and principles not only teaching us nonviolent resistance, but also laying a path for practicing peace in the world. The first principle, nonviolence is a way of life for courageous people, or as I'm interpreting each of Dr. King's principles, peace is a way of life for courageous people. Peaceful resistance to unjust human evils requires us to be courageously assertive, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. Second principle, peace seeks to win friendship and understanding. The end result of peace is redemption of friendship and reconciliation of understanding which makes the beloved community manifest on earth. Third principle, peace seeks to defeat injustice, not people. Peace requires us to recognize that the most corrupt among us are also victims. They are not evil souls. The peaceful resistor seeks to defeat injustice, not people. Fourth principle, peace holds that suffering can educate and transform. Suffering is an inherent dimension of living and peace accepts humankind's collective suffering without retaliation because we understand that our collective suffering has the power to educate and transform societies. Fifth principle, peace chooses love instead of hate. Amen. Peace resists violence of the spirit. Peace chooses agape. Agape is unselfish creative, and generative. Sixth principle, peace believes that the universe is on the side of justice. As peaceful resistors, we hold deep faith that justice will prevail as we carry out peaceful actions of resistance. So six 
principles of nonviolent peace, as I interpret them, they are a veritable prescription from our beloved doctor for practicing peace and agape. And as the doctor said, quote, agape does not begin by discriminating between worthy and unworthy people. It makes no distinction between a friend and enemy. It is directed toward both. Agape is love seeking to preserve and create community. Our journey toward living the beloved community is and always will be just that, my friends, a journey. We may not arrive at it, but great compassion willing, we will always strive our lives toward it because peace believes that the universe is on the side of justice. Peace chooses love instead of hate. Peace holds that suffering can educate and transform. Peace seeks to defeat injustice, not people. Peace seeks to win friendship and understanding. Peace is a way of life for courageous people. Peace and blessings be upon you, Dr. King. As we resist all that is unjust in the world, all marginalizations in our land and immoral systemic oppressions, let us heed all the histories of humankind's interdependent experience. Histories which have proven time and time again one simple truth we can courageously proclaim from every rooftop. Peace is the path that leads us out of the suffering we cause to the beloved community we crave. Amen.